Any questions before the, the message there? Yes. Um, I used to work with a tribe on the West Coast, and it's so similar. My question is, as they come to Christ and they're involved in the church and they see it as their church and their community, but there's so much of the tradition, mm -hmm. the culture, is there a place to um, recognize their culture but clarify that it's Christ alone? What, what have you... Yeah, and that, that is a long, a long process because there tends to be in churches a mixing of traditional and Christianity, Bible Christianity. Syncretism, sometimes the word is used, a mixing. And Catholics tend to do that a lot of times. The Anglicans or the Presbyterians on our reserve, uh, some of the, the people, for a while they pushed against it, but they allowed more in, I think. So, interesting enough, you asked that, that young woman who was saved that day, she said, if I get saved, do I have to give up all my traditional stuff? I said, I said, we take that one step at a time. God takes us where we are, and then we then listen to God, listen to Jesus, and if he says something in your culture is fine, because something in every culture is fine. Other things are not. But every culture needs to take the word of God to that culture and say, okay, now, in my culture this happens. Is it right according to the Bible or not? So that's what I told her. I said, you let God save you, and you let him guide you one step at a time. I'm not going to tell you you have to stop this and stop that. You let God work and show you things. And as we teach them the word of God, more of those things become clear. But, but there is that traditional push is very strong. Uh, depending on who's in leadership on the reserve, sometimes they're, they're better toward the churches, other times they're not. Uh, sometimes, recently, last year, I had two of our women in our church who are teachers in the school. They were pushed out of the schools. So the traditional push is stronger in there now, whoever's in the leadership now. So it kind of depends on the time. And they tend to get pushed out of jobs at times. And, and so there is some, some persecution if you trust Christ. Because they'll say, oh, well, if you become a Christian, you're not a true native. You know, this is our way. But really that way that they show, say is our way it has changed over time. It depends on, on which reserve you're looking at, what they practice, and who's in charge. And they add things, and, kind of like the Jews did. They kept adding things, you know. Uh, to the scriptures, well, they kept adding things to their own traditional religion. And if, it's interesting because Jesus said, you know, you believe in God, you believe in a creator. They do. They believe in a creator. That's more than a lot of people in this world do. The hard part for them is taking that next step. You believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus said. And if they believe in what Jesus said, then they have to take their traditional stuff. And if they're the ones pushing the traditional they get pushed out, and Jesus gets pushed forward, and that's hard for them. So they don't want to admit Jesus is the creator's son. And instead, what they tend to do, and I've had traditional guys tell me that everything we believe is just like the Bible. You know, we believe in this, like, the, like their, their sweetgrass smoke. They say, oh, it's just like the incense and the, the priest used to use, the, the prayers going up. That's our prayers going up, they say. Well, that's not all they believe about. They believe it cleanses them, too. So, so they try and justify, right? Things in their in their practices with the Bible, and then they're okay. They think so. Good question. Any other question? We can always go. Yes. This might be a dumb question. They speak English, or they have their own language. Good question. Yeah, where we are, everybody knows English. Uh, they were losing their languages there, uh, and then once they started 
uh, getting the schools back on the reserve, which is 95 when we moved there. They just opened the elementary school on the reserve. So now they're teaching the, their languages in their schools now. Most reserves have their own schools now. And so they're teaching their language again, which is good. I know a little Cree, not too much. Any more questions real quick? Yes? Like other religions or traditions where they have tracked them and passed them down through writings, or is it strictly what they do? Uh, it's, it's all, most of their stuff is verbal, passed down verbally. And so, of course, they would change over time as well, right? Because it's verbally passed down and that kind of a thing. So. Well, I want to talk tonight about the greatest chief. The greatest chief. You know, and um, there have been so many uh, tribes. There's over 500 tribes in North America of different, uh, different Indians or Native Americans or what, whatever term is that changes over time. First Nations, we like to be called up there now. Uh, there's the Cree, the Sotu, the so, uh, Soto, Cherokee, Chippewa, all kinds. And many of you know many of these as well. Uh, every four years on our reserve, they have election where they, they elect a chief. And right now, I think it's like three or four counselors. Now, the chief has a goal, and a lot of times they stay true to this and the best of their ability, is to lead the people, to provide for the people, to do what's best for the people, to protect the people. Uh, when COVID hit, they had, there were roadblocks went up right away on any of the reserve, reserve roads going in, roadblocks. Didn't want anybody coming in who wasn't on the, from the reserve because they have three and four generations living in one house a lot of times. And if they started getting it, they were in trouble. So they really clamped down. And so, I mean, they were doing that to protect the people. And chiefs will do that. And we'll talk about some of our chiefs here in a bit. But uh, Chief Joseph, some of you have heard about him, Nez Pierce, uh, Washington State area. Uh, he was great in, in getting the Appaloosa breed of horses going. And, and his, his dad uh, was uh, uh, helped a lot in, in things that way. We're looking out for the people. And he said this. Uh, he sent four warriors. Uh, there's a Nez Pierce, his Chief Joseph's dad. He sent four warriors to St. Louis. And he wanted them to bring back the white man's book of heaven. In uh, Kisi Kisikok is Cree for heaven. And uh, so they, the four, of the four that left, only a couple came back. And they didn't bring back the book. But later God brought a school teacher and his wife there with the gospel, with the Bible. And they got the word of God. And uh, Joseph's father, he was wise, he was a good chief, a good example. And this is what he said. He says, the great spirit sees and hears all, which is true. Our creator does. And he said this, treat others like you want to be treated. And he said he often carried a Bible with him. And he said, I found much in this book that I already believed. And so there are things as we teach the word of God that people around us, whether it's where we are or where you are, there are things they know and dig down their right that are true. But they need the word of God to tell them all the truth. Uh, Chief, jo Chief Joseph was a, a great man as well. On our reserve, there's been a few. I, I did some, some asking around. There was a guy named, named uh, Joe Drever. And uh, this was years ago, back probably in the 30s and 40s. And when they had the, the native folks were doing the farming then on the reserve, uh, the government got them tractors and things to do it. And they would sell their grain, and then he would, he would give uh, everybody $110 
uh, in the fall and a 100-pound bag of flour. And that would go a long ways back then. And so he's looking out for his people. A big Norman was another man, another good chief. And uh, he didn't take salary for years because he's trying to help his people. Uh, hockey's big up there, eh? <laughs> and uh, there was a, re- a rink from a neighboring town. They were going to close it down. So instead, the chief gathered together people and funds, and they bought it, and they moved it, tore it apart, moved it, set it back up on the reserve, and it was there for years uh, so they could play hockey. He's trying to provide for their people. Uh, one of the men in our church he's a, has a business degree, and he's worked in four or five different reserves in their financial area. And he says every chief he's worked for, one of their goals has been always to help the people, to help the people. So chiefs are having, having good goals, good things they want to do for their people. Now, if we turn our attention to the scripture, are there any chiefs in the Bible? Well, I could come up with a couple. First one I want us to turn to is 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking. We want to first see this first chief here, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief, Paul says. And if you know Paul's background, you know why he'd say that. The cause that he did against the cause of Christ, all that he did, he looked at himself, he says, I am a chief sinner, I am the worst of anybody. And so I see here a chief sinner, Paul was, you know, a Pharisee, you know, like Nicodemus, Paul was a Pharisee as well. Nicodemus, who came to Jesus in John 3, we found out uh, that he did eventually get saved because he took Jesus down from the cross. When he first met Jesus, he didn't understand it all, even though he's religious. And our people are religious up there. If they believe in the traditional nave religion, they're religious. But they're all, the more I talk to them, the more, the more I find out they're using works, outward things. If you go and you, you hunt and you kill a deer, you will leave a gift of cigarettes or something there in the woods to thank that spirit of that animal for giving us life so you could eat. And they're doing that as a symbol of their thankfulness. They're not talking to God, the creator, and say, thank you. They're thanking that spirit of that animal. And so they're all doing those kinds of things we find more and more. And just like Paul, they don't realize how far wrong they were. Same with people we know. Our neighbors, our families sometimes. They don't understand where they are yet. Paul had to come to that point where he realized he was chief of sinners. He was the worst of them all. What did it take for Paul to get that way? He had to humble himself, didn't he? He had to realize he was on the wrong track. And many times when I bring up that scripture to the people, John 14, 6, John 14, uh, 1, where Jesus says, you have to believe in me, you believe in God, now take that next step. That is so hard for them, so hard. Because of all this, this in their traditional religion and the pressure to go outside of that. Uh, that one couple I mentioned that were both baptized uh, the, uh, that Sunday before I left, they're in that boat. And this young man, he realizes he was a chief sinner. 
He had been involved in a lot of bad things. He originally, when I first knew him, he was going to be a RCMP officer. That's a police officer. Mounty, the Mounties, they call them, right? And yet he got into a lot of things after that. And God is working in him now, now that he knows Christ as his Savior. He's trying to still work on that forgiveness part, that God has forgiven him for these things, that he can go on. But they get tied into that. Paul had to realize he was a chief of sinner, and he repented. He, he said to the Lord, what? Who are you, Lord? <laughs> and when he said Jesus, whoa, did his world change. He realized he had been on the wrong track. And he humbled himself. And Paul got saved during that time. Turn to Acts chapter 17, verse 30. Acts 17, verse 30. I kind of liken this verse a lot of times to our reserve and the native culture. Acts chapter 17, verse 30. It says, and at the times of this ignorance, God winked at. Meaning, worship to the unknown gods that Paul was talking about earlier in the chapter, and people worshiping a false god or an idol or whatever it may be. And God says, and the times of this ignorance, God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to what? Repent. And as you pray for us, Pray that God will break through in the darkness that's there. Because we know the devil brings the darkness. He keeps it there. He wants to keep him in his clutches, in his control. But yet, what can break that? The light of Christ. The light of Christ can do that. I've seen it in their lives. I've seen them have how God can change lives. And God commands everywhere, all men, to repent. So pray as God works in hearts that people will repent. Realize, like Paul, they are chief sinners. They are sinners. They need salvation. They need Christ. Not works, not this or that, but salvation. So we're the same as Paul, and he obtained mercy. We found out in Timothy later. Paul obtained mercy, and he was saved. Let's turn to 1 Peter now. Let's look at the next chief. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter First Peter, chapter 5, and verse 4. First Peter, chapter 5, verse 4. Many of you are there already. You're knowing your head already. First Peter 5, verse 4 says this. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. The other chief I see in the Bible is Jesus, the chief shepherd. And definitely, if you look at a definition of a chief amongst the native people to do good for their people, is that not what our chief shepherd has done? He came to live this old dirty earth to die for us, to provide salvation for us. Not only that, but to help us now in every day of our life after we get saved. He's there as our chief shepherd to help us to guide us, to strengthen us, to give us victory over things. And that's where the addictions have such a control of the native people, the alcoholism, the drug abuse, uh, the suicides are many. And so just that darkness can shine through if people realize Jesus can be their chief shepherd. 
when we first went up there to Canada, we went up with an idea that we'd be there 10, 12 years, and that God was going to do something there, and it's just taken a while. There have been times when we felt like leaving. I was headhunted by another mission board one time to take a church in Manitoba. And we were thinking, well, why? Maybe, maybe nothing seems to be going on here. You know, there's times when I used to take a, a longer furlough, I'd go back and I'd be starting all over again. So now we just do short furloughs because nobody can step in for me while I'm gone. But every time God would bring something, something would happen at those low times. You know, churches like you would be, we get a note from somebody in the church, they're praying for you and, uh, and update on the church itself here and what's going on or and knowing someone's behind us, has our back, praying for us. And then God opens up, there's a, a light somewhere, somebody we've dealt with, they ask a question, they turn toward the Lord, they're seeking God. And one by one, God always brought us through those times. And I'd always think this, God, if we left here, who's going to step in for us? There was nobody. So God, by his grace, with your help, has helped us to stay there. But there's been things going on this year that we haven't seen in previous years. Where we've seen those, those four salvation decisions in three months. Those different ones that got to the point of being baptized, growing in the Lord. Uh, that large amount who came and the, the spirit of that day. And God is working. So continue to pray. I don't know how much longer we have to be up there. Uh, there's issues with my wife's parents. What are going to happen there, you know? And, and she's going to have to go down for longer times to be with them, to help them. And yet we still need a native pastor. So the Lord Jesus being a chief shepherd, and he's better than any chief ever could be. Any chief, any native, any native group ever has, he's always the best chief. But all it comes down to this. Is Jesus your chief shepherd? Is he yours? Or have you just been to church and you've heard the gospel? You've heard it as a child, teenager, an adult. Maybe you're new here. And you're just understanding about the gospel. Is Jesus your chief shepherd? Or are you your chief shepherd? Are you the one in charge of your life? Sometimes we get that way. We don't listen to the Lord. We don't let him be that chief. And if you went through Psalm 23, you could see how, how the good shepherd wants to lead us in every parts of life. The good times, the bad times, he provides for us. He helps us, he leads us. And in the struggles of life, he can help us even through death. That's our chief shepherd. He has like a true chief should. He has the best intent for you and for I. He wants to take our sins and wipe them as white as snow. I like, the one I like the best is about descriptions of what God does with our sin. It's not east is from the west, or, but it's remember no more. God says when he, the, our sins are under the blood of Christ or have been forgiven, we've repented of them. He says, I, what sin? <laughs> but sometimes we go through life and the devil uses that failure in our past to keep on us. And say, well, you are still that way, you sinner. (laughs) 
And our native people, they get beaten down quite a bit by those kinds of things. And, and to see when the light comes on in their eyes, when they realize, whoa, you mean that's gone? He did take that away? Then they can say, I, well, I can do now more. I can live now. I can live freely now. Not, not to say you can live, do whatever you want. That's not what I mean. But they don't have that pressure, that burden on their shoulders saying all these sins they've done in their past, if it's under the blood of Christ, he's forgiven now. He can make you a new person. He can help you in new paths in your life. Uh, I, I read sometimes some, some different books by native pastors. And uh, I like the one where, where, it says, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I like to put it the native way. Jesus says, I am the way maker. I'm the truth teller. I'm the life giver. And he is. And he is. Whether you're here in Palm Bay, Florida, or you're up in Saskatchewan, Canada, we need to have the chief shepherd, who is Jesus Christ. Um, Revelation 3.20 tells us, you know, that, that passage says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. Now, the natives love to visit. They love to visit. Uh, I don't do door-to-door visitation on the reserve. Uh, we have church, and I will visit before church. I'll visit after church. I can go to any church, but it's not. you can't quite do it the same way. You can't just be a white person, other than myself, I suppose, and just come on and start doing that. Uh, for one reason, uh, you won't get listened to. You have to earn your right to be heard. I can go to visit somebody I know. There might be somebody who's there that I don't know, and they don't know me. They will never say a word to me. Not a word. They'll shake my hand because I go and shake their hand. And they're friendly enough to shake hands. They do that all the time. But they won't talk to me because they don't know me. But when they get to know you, they'll laugh with you, they'll joke with you, they'll give you nicknames, and that's a good thing because they're accepting you. And uh, uh, I'll pee. You know, go knock somebody's door. Pete the Gray, come in, sit down. They like to visit. They may say, Musky Kopoi Mini Kwe, have some tea. Long words, right? <laughs> have some tea. And you can go and you can visit and you find out what's going on in their life and you listen to them and you pray for them. You say, how can I pray for you? What can I pray for you and your family about? And you pray with them. And you then have a chance to share scripture with them. And you can be there a couple hours. You know? That's, that's the way they do it. Otherwise, it's, I remember when I first got there, to Canada on the reserve and not on, not on the reserve either. And people say, you're from the States, aren't you? I say, yeah, I was trying to blend in. But how did they know that? Well, I was just going, going, going everywhere, right? I was going all the time. I was talking fast. And it just got done from deputation. And their presentations, you have to speak fast to get everything in there. And so I was doing those things, speaking fast and all that. So then I purposely worked on it. And I slow down my walking, my talking, and I throw an A in there every once in a while. <laughs> and now they don't say it. Now they say the opposite. Oh, I would thought you were from Canada. So, so God's good that way in helping us to be accepted by those people. And in turn, you are accepted by them because you are behind us and you have a part in that ministry. So my challenge to you is to pray that God will bless and raise up a native pastor that the folks there on the reserve, they will come to find and know 
the real chief, their chief shepherd, Jesus. They'll walk with the Lord. They'll continue as they are doing now, more and more to take on responsibilities of the church and to reach out to their family members and others they know. The lady, young lady saved at the baptism, the result of one of our ladies bringing her, staying a part of her life. Pray that that happens more and more and that God will bless them, that there will be a strong, strong gospel witness to reach out their other reserves. How many other reserves? There are 73 other reserves. <laughs> and God has blessed, given us the opportunity to reach that reserve, other reserves a little bit, jails, uh, prisons, uh, nursing homes, other cities, family members. There's one of the ladies in our church. Uh, her mom, she's not from that reserve. She's from another reserve up north. Her family mostly lives in Prince Albert, which is about uh, 45 minutes from us. And I've helped their family with burying their loved ones in Prince Albert through the years. Now, now she calls me uh, her little white minister. <laughs> so, but uh, thank God for the opportunities, the outreaches, and thank God for the fruit that you have up there and your faithfulness behind us. We want to thank you very much for that. All right, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor right in the nick of time. So, I'm in his good graces. Well, thank you very much, Mike, for sharing that with us, for sharing so much about your ministry and what God is doing up there and from the Word as well. I was reminded of uh, even what we heard during our missions conference from 3 John, where we read that they have gone out for the sake of the name, and therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for them in the truth. And Brother Mike even alluded to that through his message that in, in our support uh, of him and his ministry, we're fellow workers with him. We're, we're not there doing the heavy lifting like they are and, and, and going through the, the years of ministry and, and building that trust um, and camaraderie with the people there. Um, but, we're, but we're supporting them and sending them on their way. And, and it's so good to be able to have a to get a sense of what's going on there and what, how we can be praying for. So those prayer requests that, um, that he mentioned, especially the native pastor, um, let's commit to be praying for that um, as a church, that, that we would see God do a mighty work in that way and, uh, and let him know that you're praying for him as well. Um, if you ever want to know how to reach out to him or connect with him, let us know and, and be an encouragement to him uh, however, however we can. I'm going to go ahead and pray for that right now and then we'll, we'll uh, have a closing song to finish out. But uh, if you haven't met uh, Mike or be able to interact with him, be sure to uh, stop by his table again before he heads out. Where are you off to uh, after today? I'll visit my daughter and her family in Rochester, New York this week, and then I'll be in Indiana, Illinois for three more weeks. Okay, so you're all over the place. All right. We'll be praying for you as well in your travels uh, that God would keep you safe. Let's go ahead and pray for those before we close in our song. Lord, we uh, thank you for tonight. We thank you uh, just to see how you are working and spreading your gospel um, in a place so far separated from where we are, both in terms of geography and weather and uh, culture and, and, and background. Uh, but Lord, we praise you that your gospel reaches every heart, uh, regardless of, of culture and background. And I pray, Lord, that you continue to open eyes and open hearts to, to, your, to your truth. Lord, we pray that you would raise up a native pastor there in the, on the reserve um, to, to stand, in, uh, stand in the gap, to, to, um, to lead the church there. 
Um, I pray that you would uh, continue to 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 work as as your son said when he was on this earth that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we pray that even for the believers up there in Saskatchewan. Lord, I pray that you would uh, protect uh, Brother Mike and as he continues to travel and have more meetings in the weeks to come, keep him safe. And as he uh, looks ahead to return back uh, to where he's ministering, that you would give him strength and perseverance and comfort in your word as he continues to proclaim the gospel. We thank you for this time together as a church family, hearing from him, and I pray we'd be continuing to pray for him as he moves forward. In your son's name we pray. Amen. I will...